How's it going, sports fans, bettors, and cappers? And welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and we're coming off a lengthy break from the show. But this is episode 201. The podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the latest in the sports world before giving you some plays on the betting front. And we're super fired up for today. But before we dive into today's episode, let's hear our ad read from our sponsor, Bet99. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to make some wagers? Then head over to Bet99.com. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the website's homepage. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com today to make an account. Use code SHOOTERS at signup. And please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age to do so. And if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Now, let's get back to the show. We're coming off a major break from the show. It has been a busy summer filled with traveling. A little sickness in between, a lot of golf, and a whole lot more. But we're beyond excited to be back. Be sure to listen to the second half of today's show as well as we discuss the EPL future betting market with Francis Carlota at Slug of Sports over on Twitter. But we want to lead things off by starting the first month back of the new segment uh, where we're going to look at the summer that was because there's been a lot of major news that has broke in the sports world over the summer. And so we're going to give you some winners and losers when it comes to the summertime. Now, the big winner, I think, of the summer has to be soccer in North America. The impact that Lionel Messi has had on the game of football in North America is absolutely astounding. Now, he's getting paid very handsomely to do this. I'm not going to act like he's some sort of uh, guy that's going to go broke doing what he's been doing. He's still playing some phenomenal football right now, yet he comes to MLS. He gets shares in the MLS. He's obviously scoring a ton of goals for Inter-Miami, and he's just having a major impact across all of MLS. Ticket sales have skyrocketed. The team is succeeding as well. And so I think that if you invested in MLS prior to Messi getting there, then you've got to be so excited for this league. And I think overall, despite the fact that North American women did not quite perform at the Women's World Cup, I think soccer as a whole in North America is one of the big winners of the summer. Now, one of the big losers of the summer I think has to be NFL running backs. When you look at the running back market and the contracts that are being offered, how are they not quote unquote losers of this off season? You look at the guys who led in scrimmage yards last year, Josh Jacobs, first overall, no long-term extension. Derrick Henry, second overall, he doesn't have a longer term extension. Saquon Barkley, probably the most important piece in that Giants offense, no long-term extension. Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, two running backs, that it had been productive for a very long time, not even on a roster as we record here today. Jonathan Taylor feuding with management. Now, as a whole, the running back market was probably ruined a couple years ago when guys like Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon and others got paid and didn't live up to those contracts. 
but none of the recent Super Bowl winning teams paid their running backs a ton. And so teams are starting to reevaluate that position, go with dual backs, go with a triple backfield if you're like the Philadelphia Eagles. And because of that, I think NFL running backs are the losers of this summer. Now, let's talk about some golf plays. We have the FedEx St. Jude Championship preview and plays coming at you here today. We are in FedEx Cup playoffs time for the PGA Tour. And if you are a major name that's not named Justin Thomas, you're itching to win that massive $18 million prize in a few weeks' time. Now, now what we normally see here is defending champions like Will Zalatoris competing. He is not, however, in the field as he's been dealing with injury issues all year. Plenty of quality guys still in the field. This was formerly the Northern Trust. Now they are playing at a new venue as of last year. You've had guys like Finau win that Northern Trust, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, and Bryson DeChambeau. But we are now talking about the FedEx St. Jude Championship. This is the top 70 guys on tour this year. So we're going to give you some betting plays for this week. We're going to start with Victor Hovland, top 10 at plus 175 for half a unit. Seeing a lot of Rory McIlroy here. He missed the cut here last year. Scotty Scheffler's odds are not great for top 10 either. I think that if you're looking for significant value here with a guy who's playing in great form, that's Victor Hovland. He was top 20 here last year. Been playing some really great golf the last six months. This event is typically won by great drivers of the golf ball, which sets up for Victor's game. He's sixth in total driving and seventh in shots gained off the tee. Give me Hovland at plus 175. Now let's talk top 20. Sepp Straka at plus 132 for top 20. This is a full unit play. He is now up to 24th in the world, and he's 15th in the FedEx Cup standings. Didn't play great at the 3M Open. He did have a miscut there, but the two events prior, tied for second at the Open, and he won the John Deere. Five top 10s this year, 21st in total driving distance, and 15th in strokes gained in approach shots. Love this guy this week. I also like Lucas Glover, who won last week top 20 at plus 180 for a full unit. Now, as I said, he won last week, but he's not the guy that strikes me as the partying hard in Vegas after a big win. I think he's very focused on the next event. He's a seasoned pro, ready to go. He's first in proximity to the hole. He's second in approach shots from 100 yards and in, and very solid off the tee as well. Oh, and by the way, top five here last year. Give me Lucas Glover as our third pick. And then our final future bet, we are going to go with Chris Kirk, plus 260 for top 20 for half a unit. Five-time tour winner, including one earlier this year. He's got four top 10s on tour this year as well. He's 28th in field in strokes gained overall. He scores really well and one of the best scramblers on tour as well. At a half unit getting this kind of value, I think it's definitely worth a dabble. So give me plus 260 on Chris Kirk. And so with that, We've given you our future golf plays for the week, but now we got to give you some plays for Wednesday because some people don't want to wait that 24 hours. And so we're going to go over to our last call pick segment. This is sponsored by Last Mountain Distillery. Distillery is family-owned and operated, located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Saskatchewan's first micro-distillery success lies in their commitment to producing high-quality, handcrafted spirits. Their craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Check out some of their great products like their regular vodka. They've got their old-fashioned as well, which is one of my favorites. And my wife's favorite is the dill pickle. 
Caesar Vodka. She loves a good dill pickle Caesar in the summertime. So head on over to Last Mountain Distillery. So with that, we're going to give you our two betting plays for today. And these are both from the EFL Cup. We are not quite at EPL season yet. That's going to be on Friday. We're going to give you a play from that game and the rest of the weekend then. But EFL Cup-wise, let's start with Leeds United first half money line versus Shrewsbury at one unit at minus 119. Tough spot for Shrewsbury taking on a recently demoted EPL side now in the championship. Leeds are still a quality team and they're at home. Their team total over is one and a half at minus 220 and over two and a half at just plus 120. So they're expecting two or more goals here, one of which I think is coming in that first half. And I don't think that Shrewsbury has the offense to break them down. Lead score early and often. Give me the first half money line. And then our second play for the day, Bristol City money line versus Oxford City at minus 129 for a full unit as well. Be careful here. There is two Bristol sides playing tomorrow. We're not betting Bristol Rovers. We're betting Bristol City, the championship side. These two haven't met since 2014. And given that they are at different levels league-wise, I like the superior side and the superior league side at home today. I'm not normally a straight-up money line guy. I look for better value when it comes to the soccer front. But I think Bristol City, they played solid in their opening draw to Preston North End. I think they're one of the better championship sides this year. So give me Bristol to get it done in regulation at minus 129. But we appreciate everyone who listens to the show. Please go check out our sponsors. Also join the Cook the Books Discord as well. It's included in the episode description down below. Plenty of winners coming out of there. And with that, let's head over to part two with Francis Carlota, a.k.a. Slug of Sports. We'll see you guys next time. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge podcast. We are on the eve of EPL season starting, and I am beyond excited. I know that Francis is as well. I've already teased the fact that he's our guest here today, but betting on baseball has been (laughs) incredibly stale over the last six weeks, and I'm so excited that we are just a few short days away from the EPL season kicking off. I couldn't think of a better guy to bring on than the guy that I actually got to link up with this summer in Vegas. Mm. Uh, The tables were cold, but the lads' conversations were great. So I'm pleased to welcome on the host of the Up and Under podcast. That is Francis Carlota. He is a regular here on the show. Francis, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. For for the listeners out there, yes, the tables were very cold. (laughs) I was actually doing pretty decently. And then after we stopped and got drinks... And I proceeded to get drunker than I already was. <laughs> I told myself, you know what? I can go back to the tables. I'm in Vegas. Why not? I'll go back. I'll play. I'll play some hands of blackjack. Deal. A dealer. A dealer gives me two aces, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I split the two aces, and then they the dealer gives me two more aces. I'm like, you know what? Split them. So I got four hands. Four hands. All aces going. None of them hit a blackjack, and the dealer got a twenty-one, and I just left. I just left. <laughs> I was out like 80 bucks just right off the bat, and I just went home. I, I was tired. I, it, no. It's very convenient that you didn't share that story with me until we went live here yeah. for this episode. So that that makes me chuckle a little bit, but it's also due to the fact that I got absolutely cleaned out. I was there for about a week and a half at a bachelor party and you know, hit some UFC bets, but the tables were cold and my wife and I were there with friends of ours and they kept winning and there's nothing more frustrating than people gloating about all the winning that they're having. And you're just, you're getting cleaned out at that point. So we're going to have a much better time on this show than we did at the tables that night. But as I said, EPL season, it's right upon us. It's going to be starting on this Friday. 
Uh, we're recording here on Monday just to make sure that we get through a lot of the topics that we want to. And the first one that we're starting with is last season. And mm. it was one where we did this EPL preview last year. I talked about how bad I thought Manchester United were going to be. I felt like I was bang on for the first six weeks of the season. And then we shipped Cristiano Ronaldo to uh, a different country. And then suddenly <laughs> we started winning some games. And then Chelsea was kind of the complete opposite. They got out to a bit of a, a decent start. And then things just sort of fell apart. So from the Chelsea fan perspective, thoughts on last year, probably the first time in a very long time that you weren't even in the top half of the table come year end. Yeah, so actually, Kenneth, I'm not I'm no help for this segment because I totally wiped last season out of my memory. <laughs> so I have no input. No, I I wish I wish that were the case. It it was an incredibly turbulent year, and I think turbulent is a really good way to describe it because it was up and down and up and down, change in coaches, three different coaches in a season. I mean, like what's happening, and then the yeah. ownership. We had we spent an absolute boatload of money on players that I think looking back, we can kind of see the vision of what they're trying to do. But at the time, you're just kind of scratching your head and you're just you're spending all this money and just all this money for no results and no continuity. And for a squad that was incredibly bloated, I think it had this might be wrong, but around 40, 40 ish first team players. That's way too many players in your first team that you can't have, you can't run proper training. You don't have consistent lineups. Yeah, depth is always helpful, but in terms of consistency, continuity, those are non existent words to describe Chelsea Football Club last year. And now, you know, gone is Graham Potter, gone is Frank Lampard. <laughs> the fact that he was even an interim coach for a period of time, he was supposed to be like a band aid. For uh for a team that needed surgery, not a band-aid. Yeah. Anyway, so now we have Mauricio Pochettino. And at the very least, I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel tunnel. But to look back on last year, no, it was very disappointing and good riddance to that season. Ho hopefully there's brighter pastures ahead, brighter days, greener pastures ahead. Sorry for getting that <laughs> that saying wrong. But yeah, last season was a dud, and hopefully there's something to look forward to this season. So as I said, even from a United perspective, when we opened up the season with a loss 2-1 to one, and then we got blanked 4-0 to Brentford, I was like on jump off a bridge, like what are what is happening? I, I didn't think that it was going to be great out of the gate. And obviously then you, you head into the World Cup season and Ronaldo does his Piers Morgan interview. He is shuffled out very mm. quickly uh, after that. And so... It was a good year overall for United, and they were probably the best club in England the second half of the season. They won a lot of low-scoring games, but I think it just goes to show how Ten Hag's system worked. I didn't know how he would look in year one with United, but he did a great job. Rashford had a really good season. Fernandez yeah. did. Bringing in Casemiro was the big equalizer for United because it felt like they could finally stand up with some of the bigger clubs because they could control that midfield which they hadn't been able to do for a long time. Anytime you win a trophy, you feel like it's a good season as well, and, and United was able to do that. So heading into this year, I'm incredibly excited. Probably given me loftier expectations, especially given the, the first team that we're going to talk about is that team that ended up winning the league last year. 
that being Manchester City and and what a club it is. I mean, they just yeah. went for a treble season and wow. <laughs> they and just seem unstoppable. Them, they lost Mares, Gindogan yeah. gone. And yet you still look at this club and you're like, well, they brought in Kovacic, they brought in the defender from Leipzig. Yep. Yeah, they missed out on Declan Rice, but when you still have Holland and De Bruyne and Grealish, you look at the depth of this city side and it is staggering. There's a reason that they're minus 140 at the start of the season to win the EPL title. You very rarely see that. I do think it was a little bit higher last year at minus 200. And now that we've seen Arsenal kind of turn it on and some of the other clubs, maybe they've tightened the gap a little bit. But have they tightened it enough for you where you see a, a club not in light blue lifting the trophy next season no no and i know that's the boring answer to give uh but no and because i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie to myself or fool myself there isn't a club who i can legitimately say can rival man city in at the top of the league i mean there are other good teams across the top in the top four absolutely you know your united squad very talented team with a lot of depth and we'll talk about them later Arsenal, they got Declan Rice, which is a huge, huge addition for that club. Uh, Liverpool, again, we'll talk about them as well. I'm not, I'm not super high on them, uh, but there's still, there's still talent at the top end of the table. But the talent at Man City is just a different level. I mean, like you said, they lost Mares, and they're looking at signing the Japanese winger from Brighton, Mitoma, who's really talented, super quick, would fit like a glove into Man City's Man City system. Uh, they obviously sell Holland, as we're all aware of. Uh, they lose Gunnigan, but like you said, get Kovacic. I, I'm a big fan of Josko Gavardiol. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing his name, but I'm a big fan of his, the, the new signing, like you said, from Leipzig. I mean, he's a really, really talented center back who can who is comfortable with the ball at his feet, can maneuver through tight spaces, pick passes as well. Like He's a very versatile center back who will fit the pressing system and can also just straight up defend. Uh, he's a really talented center back. He was great in the World Cup. I mean, Messi made him look like a fool, but he was great in the World Cup overall. So, <clears throat> no, I, in terms of any team that I think could challenge Man City, really challenge them, like push them to. And when I say challenge, I want to say like push them to the the last two, three weekends of the Prem, where you're not just it's not locked up with three weekends to go. You know, and maybe even three might be too much. Last two weekends of the, of the league where they're still biting your nails, you're still wanting to see the games because what are the results going to be? Who's who's going to win? That's what I mean by challenge. Because uh, Arsenal, quote-unquote, challenged City for a period of time, yep. but they fell off. They couldn't win a game. They they just they drew everything and couldn't get actual wins. And so it and there, there ended up being no challenge. So in terms of a team actually challenging City, no. But how are you feeling about United, Kenneth? Because I, I think I know it's tough because I'm a Chelsea fan, but I think I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Where, where do you have them next year? So to start with the city point, um, just for me, the reason why they're the favorites and, and why they should be and why I think they're going to hoist the trophy at the end of the year is just because of that depth. We've seen yeah. great clubs like the Liverpool squad of a couple years ago. We knew that they're really talented, but it's like, but if Salah goes down or Firmino goes down or Mane goes down, what do they actually look like? You could have Grealish go down for two months and you probably wouldn't even notice that he's not in the squad. 
And that's not to say that Grealish isn't incredible because he had a great year last year, struggled at times, but closed it out really strong. And you wouldn't notice that he's not in that squad. As long as Holland and De Bruyne are on the pitch, I feel like that is that is the team to beat in England. Now, Arsenal, we mentioned them. They were a side that they led the table up until probably the 30th fixture. And then that's yeah. when we started to see the cracks in the foundation. I still think with them having Sokka there um, and all these young guys and then getting Declan Rice now, I think that they're going to be they're going to be a really talented squad, but I, I think United passed them this offseason, mm. personally. Um, you'll f- see that in my future bets later, but I think that United are the second best club in England right now, and this is going to be a very different-looking United squad because there's no David De Gea. We haven't been able to say that for 10, 15 years now. He's finally out the door, and bringing in Mason Mount, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, one yeah. of few Chelsea players that I'm a huge fan of, but obviously when when they go to your squad, you kind of just uh, forget about uh, those guys playing for those other teams. Onana and goal, that's going to be a fun one. Um, I'm, I'm just excited to see a new keeper because De Gea at times would get the ball caught in his feet, and that just can't happen in a Ten Hag system. No. You play out from the back, you need that keeper that can move the ball and, and get into space and even create some plays from the goal line as well. And I think he's able to do that. Losing guys like Alanga, that one kind of hurt. I was a big fan of his, but um, it felt like he was kind of the odd man out in the squad. They brought in the young striker. I'm really excited to see what he's going to look like up front, but it feels like the midfield has been sorted. Now that Maguire has shifted out, Ronaldo's no longer there. It feels like we have the ideal Ten Hag team. And as much as watching Anthony Dipsy Doodle on the side can give me a stroke sometimes, he at the very least plays well in his system. And at the time when we signed him, I couldn't believe that we gave all this money. And then I watched him play and I'm like, oh, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> that was almost my breaking point after Brentford. And then we've got uh, Anthony. I'm like, what are we doing? But watching him out there, I think he just fits well in the system. Um, I think we finally have some depth in the midfield as well. That's something that we haven't been able to say for a couple of years. Guys like Sancho on the wing um, and others, I just think that this is a really talented United group. So I have them second. I think that they have passed Arsenal. I think that just bringing in Declan Rice and Havertz, who I'm not a huge fan of, I just don't think that that's enough for Arsenal. What do you think of the Gunners' moves? So uh, I, I I have a very... Inter, uh, I guess different might be the wrong word. An interesting opinion of of the moves because yes, Declan Rice, like I said, really great addition. I think he shores up their midfield really well. Very talented CDM who can defend, pass, play through tight spaces, and adds like really good depth to the midfield as as just a quality player that should be quality for a very long time. I just don't understand the Kai Havertz thing. I don't get his fit. On the roster, I don't get why Arsenal paid almost 70 million for him. I don't get it because as someone as a Chelsea fan who watched him, you know, weekend, week in, week out, he had his moments. Yeah, he scored the Champions League winner against Man City. So thank thank you for that. (laughs) But overall, as a player, I don't really know how he fits this lineup, how he fits this team. Because I've always felt Havertz's best role was sitting behind a striker and not being a main number nine, being the guy behind the striker to, to link up play, 
free free flow move find space and attack but not as a pure nine and looking at this entire especially knowing arteta they do a four three three basically almost like a flat four three three straight up Havertz is not a midfielder he doesn't defend so he's you can't put him in the midfield could you play Havertz on the wing yeah you could but that means you're now taking minutes away from Bukaya Saka like you said Martinelli as well uh they, they just signed uh they they got uh, I was facing my head. The guy from Brighton, they signed him last season. Uh, Trossard, Leandro Trossard. They yeah. got him, and he did well for Arsenal as well. Uh, so you're taking minutes away from some of Arsenal's best players who are wingers. And if you play him at striker, he's not really a traditional striker. Jesus was great last year. He got hurt, unfortunately, but he had a really good season. So Gabriel Jesus is your striker. Aiden in in Ketia, I think is how you pronounce his name. Again, apologies if I'm mispronouncing mm-hmm. anything. Uh, he was really good last season too. Yeah. So I don't know. I I just don't get the Harvard signing splashing that cash. Uh, you know, I still think they're a very good team. But actually, Kenneth, I'm with you, man. Uh, I think Man United finished second, and I think it'll be a Manchester all Manchester top top line one and two. You know, I'm not saying it'll go down to the wire between no. those two squads, but I, I think United are a very good squad with legitimate depth. Like you said, I, I can't laud that any any more than you have. Uh, their midfield yeah. depth is impressive. They have attacking depth. Now, the key for you, and, and let me know if, if what you think, the key for United is defensive depth and no injuries because injuries hurt y'all on, on, on the back line. Yeah. And if your def- defense can stay healthy, I think you've got enough attacking prowess to score enough goals. You have the midfield that can dominate a game. You just need your defense to stay healthy. I think the key is Varane. Because yeah. when he when he and Casemiro are out there, like their connection from their Madrid days, like to me that entire back line is so much better when he is there. Um, yeah. I'm glad that we strip McGuire of the captaincy. That was long overdue. Uh, for that to happen. But uh, to go back to the Havertz point too, I don't get it because as you said, he doesn't really fit into the squad. And okay, if you're trying to just pay a guy in case Jesus gets hurt again, paying 70 million for a guy to just back somebody up is it makes no sense. It's it's absolutely crazy. You could have gone out and found a $30 million striker and then maybe bolstered your backline or your midfield. And Havertz, to me, I think he's kind of like Lukaku. I just don't think that he fits in the Prem. Like, Lukaku tried in the Prem a couple times, and it really didn't work, and he's always found success in other leagues. I think Havertz might be in the same situation, and I think we're going to see that this year. So those are kind of the top three that we've outlined. Now, last year, (laughs) I hate to keep bringing it up. Uh, I don't know if I hate it, but Chelsea was the Uh... top team that flopped. We'll even call it top seven team because I feel like with the money that's flowing into Newcastle now, we have a top seven in England at this juncture. So yeah, we've already outlined the top three, so it's not any of those clubs. Now, who's going to be that team that potentially flops in the top half this year? You've got Chelsea, who spent a ton of money. They've obviously got their manager now. I think they're going to look a lot more sound. You've got Liverpool, who's still banking on their, their front line and their back line. They pretty much lost their midfield at least yep. a regular midfield. Then you've yep. got Newcastle, who were one of the best defensive teams in the Prem last year. Did they address the, the scoring enough for them to really elevate in the league? Who's to say? And then Tottenham went and threw some money at some players, and 
I think that's going to be a very interesting club to watch this year. So who out of the top seven for you has the potential to flop this year? And when I say flop, I mean, they're finishing outside the top eight or nine teams. Like they are 10 or below, we'll say. Oh, man. I think most likely team, and this may be controversial, I, I'm just out on Liverpool. I'm out. I can't. I can't. I can't you, back you them. You ruined season. my hot take for the entire episode. Oh, did I? Oh man, I'm going, sorry. But... No, I'm sorry. Good. Great minds, you know. Great minds. It's just, and you know, you may have the same points. Like you said, their midfield is gone. You're they're about to run out and uh, a midfield lineup of Dominic Shovislai, Alexis McAllister, and Tiago. There's no CDM. Nobody who can defend in that midfield. And we know, as someone who has Casemiro, we know, and as a Chelsea fan with Conte, we know how important it is to have a genuine defender in your midfield who can shore things up for the back line and be like a shield. They have no shield. In fact, they have like, I don't know, what's what's up, what's something the opposite of a shield? I can't think of an analogy. A anyway, net. this a net, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, either That's way, close. they have it's nothing. Close. <laughs> yeah, they've got nothing there in that midfield. And their attack, it's, so, you know, obviously Mohamed Salah is incredible. There was a slight regression in him last season, and I get it as well. I get it, but we'll see. Salah's still amazing, no, not to knock him at, at, not to knock him too much, at least. Uh, Diogo Jota's great, but he has injury issues. Luis Diaz is really good, but he's still, I think he's still trying to find his feet in the Prem. Uh, and Darwin Nunez. Same thing. He's also very talented, very good, but he's still trying to find his feet in the prem as well. My biggest issue is, is the midfield. And if they don't have a midfield, that back line, I mean, Van Dyke is going to have to be basically an, an Avenger or something back there. Well, the, thing, <laughs> the thing about Van Dyke too is he's not even really getting a lot of help from guys like Trent because Trent's yeah. not a great defender. He's trying to play wing back. And how do you play wing back without a midfield? Like yeah. when I'm looking at Liverpool, First of all, I think from a betting perspective, um, both teams to score with Liverpool is a great bet all year long. Oh yeah, I think you're gonna they're gonna play even some of those lesser clubs. Look at both teams to score because yes, Van Dyke he's gonna have to basically be Thanos at the back end because he doesn't have a lot of help outside of that. Also, even up front, losing Firmino hurts. Like I know yeah. that they've got Gakpo and they've got. No, Nunez and Diaz and Salah and Jota, but first of all, there's only room for three of them up front, so you're going to have a couple on the bench, and Firmino was the second best for me out of that group of guys, and he lost them. Now, could Gakpo step in? I think that's what they're anticipating. I've seen a lot of betting odds that has him scoring a lot of goals. He may have to do that for them this year because I did see the Salah regression as well. That's not to say that Salah is not a top 10 player in the Prem. He still is. But he probably slipped from one or two down to three or four last year. And with Kane still being there, Holland still being there, De Bruyne still being there, he may start to tumble down that list a little bit. And that can't happen for Liverpool. I know that they brought in the kid from Leipzig, obviously McAllister. That's who they're hoping can kind of fill in for the Hendersons and the Fabinho's in their midfield, but it's a depleted one. I hate Matip at the back. I don't like Trent at the back either. I just think that they're going to give up a lot of goals. That for me, though, I don't know if that's enough for them to slip out of top seven. And 
they may finish six. Like I'm not going to have them any higher. Um, but if we're looking for a team that's potentially going to stumble down the list, I think it would just be Newcastle for me. And the only reason why they would stumble is because they didn't address that scoring. Because yeah. they didn't give up goals last year. There was a stretch there where they were giving up like two goals over like an eight-game stretch. And you're like, oh my God, this this is like an impossible to break down back line. But that was what I was looking for this summer. I'm like, there's plenty of strikers out there. I would have rather that Newcastle went out and got Havertz. I would have rather yeah. that they went out and got a guy like that. Where, you know what, even if he's only good for eight to ten goals up front, that, that would have been enough for me to maybe move the needle a bit of can we start taking Newcastle seriously as a team that can really compete because they beat all the, the lowly clubs when they got into those games with some of the top clubs. It was evident that they were playing for ties. And yeah. they were hoping for 1-1, 0-0. That was what they were looking for. And I just think that that's going to cause them some major issues. So when I say tumble, I think that they'll finish ninth. Um, I think that with... Teams like Aston Villa coming on strong at the end of last year. Brighton still hanging around. Maybe they stay up in that top half. I think Newcastle has the potential to stumble. So that would be the one for me. As far as like Chelsea and Tottenham go, I'm just really intrigued by Chelsea this year with the new manager because I think it's going to take a little bit of time with how many pieces were basically just brought in and then tried to be thrown into the lineup. And yeah. I, so I'm interested by that. Tottenham, I'll let you chat more on Chelsea. Tottenham adding Madison, adding Poro from Lisbon, adding the player from Juventus, adding someone from Empoli. I like that they're at least trying to make a last run of this. I was really thinking that maybe this is the summer that Harry Kane is finally off to one of the bigger clubs, either in England or the rest of the world. He's still hanging around. I like that they're at least running it back for one more chance. I'd like them to finish top six this year. It's plus money right now. I just think that they've done enough midfield-wise for me to feel a bit more comfortable. But elaborate on the the millions of points that were just made there. I mean, it's, I'll I'll talk about Tottenham first before I get to my blues. Because he loves Tottenham, big Tottenham, I, <laughs> big Tottenham guy. As as everyone's aware of. No, I they have talent, and we're we're all well aware of that. I I love Youngman's son. Uh, is it because he's Asian? Maybe, but I still love I love Yeoman <laughs> Son so much. And but let's be real about this team as well. New coach, new system, yeah. and when you have a new coach with a new system, it takes time for play for an old. When I say old, the the roster full of guys who aren't this manager's type, which is very common when you bring in a new yeah. manager. You got players from an old regime, for lack of a better term, and it'll take time for them to get adjusted to the new system uh, it's a very different system system it's more up it's hectic it's fast it's aggressive it, it's it's all those things and i don't know if, if this roster is is set for that type of style this quickly this early i actually think tottenham gets off to a pretty slow start not yeah. I, I i don't see them finishing out of the top seven i think i think like i said i got liverpool being that club uh, but I think Tottenham gets off to a pretty slow start because they'll take some time to get used to the brand new system that's very different, especially from going from Antonio Conte, who parked the bus in his backyard, to this new system. Oh, I mean, it, it's all it's faster, it's more aggressive, it's very different. Do you think so that I think new system time. benefits the talent that's there more than what Conte was rolling out? Because I felt at times watching Tottenham. 
I'm like, why are they sitting back when they have so much talent up front? I so I think I think that could be the case, and I still think it'll take time to get used to the system. Yeah. And my main overall point is just looking at the roster. They're just a couple injuries away from this yeah. team basically being a shell of themselves. I mean, Harry Kane, if he stays, I know uh, I know Tottenham just rejected a hundred million dollar offer from Bayern this morning or yesterday morning, very recently. So if Kane stays, uh, he's injury prone. Let's be very real. Yeah, he yeah, reminds right. me of he reminds me of Anthony Davis to throw a basketball analogy, like a, a <laughs> hell of a player, but gets hurt way he's too like Michael often. Michael Owen. That's a better one. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Uh, Hyoungmin Sun, again, love the guy, but he also is injury prone. Richarlison, I don't even know what he does at Tottenham. Like, he's just kind of there to just have be have antics. So, it, wasn't it story. kind of bizarre to watch Richarlison at the World Cup being so yeah. great? And then you're like, where so does good. he play again? Tottenham. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it makes no sense. So, you know, they're, they're a cane injury away, a sun injury away. From their forwards being Richarlison, Brian Gill, and I don't even know who's Manor Solomon. I have no idea who this dude is. So just I don't know. It's a, it's a fragile club, and for 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 my taste, um, Chelsea wise, I'm a big fan of their off season, their transfers, the, the players they brought in. I think Christopher Nkunku is incredible. I've been a fan of his for years. Unfortunately, he he hurt his MCL. It's looking like he'll be out for a couple months, and that's really, really sucks. That's really unfortunate for Chelsea because I think he's a very good player who fit Pochettino's system really well, and Kunku was the perfect guy to play that center attacking mid in the 4-2-3-1 to sit right behind the striker. He's the perfect guy for that. And hopefully he gets back healthy and, and he doesn't. this doesn't become an issue. I mean, that's the hope, obviously. We don't know, but that's the hope. Um I love, I love the signing of Nicholas Jackson as well from Villarreal. Nicholas Jackson was on a tear to at the end of last season. And I think the idea was, is, was it a flash in the pan? Was it for real? Well, based on preseason, it looked for real. I mean, this dude is, he's fit. He's quick. He's clinical in front of goal. I mean, he looks like a very good player. Again, just 22, still young. But I, I like him a lot as well. We just got another keeper, Robert Sanchez from Brighton, and to, to either take Kepa's place or back him up. So at least there's more goalkeeping depth, depth as well. Uh, Axel Diasi was a, kind of a replacement for Wesley Fofana. Fofana hurt himself as well. I think it was an, I might be wrong. I think it was an ACL, uh, which is horrible news for Fofana. He's a very talented player with injury issues as well. But you bring in Levi Colwell. He's a stud, stud center back. He was on loan at Brighton last season, had a very good year. Now he's signed a contract with Chelsea. He's going to be a blue for a while, and he's one of the England's best under best young center backs in the country. He's a hell of a player. And so I, I think Chelsea's going to be better. I mean, it's I guess anything's better than last season, right? <laughs> They'll be better. Uh, but I don't see him, I don't see him in the top four. I think they finished sixth. So they get a Europa League place. They show improvement under Pochettino. They'll show some highs, but still show some of the lows, maybe due to injuries, maybe due to us not getting the signings over the line like we want. I, I do think if we get Moises Caicedo from Brighton, that's still kind of in flux if we get him or not. I think he'll be a big addition. And, and maybe I'll bump Chelsea up to fifth or maybe fourth. Um, and if they get another striker, I know there's rumors of trying to get Dusan Vlahovic from Juventus and swap Lukaku for Vlahovic, 
I'm a big Vlahovic guy. So maybe, again, maybe those moves, those two moves, and, and who knows, Chelsea, they seem to have an endless amount of cash. They're, they're, have you seen this today? They're in, they're in talks with Namor. Like, they're just... They're, they're just they're just going after everybody. Yeah, yeah they're in talk. Yeah, so I don't know. They have an endless amount of cash, it seems. So we'll there's going to be a lot of Neymar rumors this year because the blood's in the water with Mbappe. Obviously, Messi's gone. Neymar, yeah. just natural that he's going to be. If I had to predict, he's probably just going to head back to Barcelona at some point. Yeah. But we'll wait and see what happens with him. So let's talk about the three clubs that got promoted. Um, the relegated sides. See you later. Tough one leads. <laughs> Lester, that yeah, one tough. that one was a really tough one to watch. Especially that given that Lester went from one of the greatest title winning stories of all time in the last decade to now they're relegated out of England. But very yeah. old squad with Vardy and, and Madison. Now Madison's obviously gone. So who do we have coming up? Well, we start with Burnley, uh Vincent Company's side coming up. 101 points. 10 points higher than Sheffield United, who's the second squad. And then the third one, the one where everyone's super hyped, but also has them finishing bottom of the league, that being Luton Town on 80 points. So which promotion side are you looking at? Do you think that a side like Luton just doesn't have a chance of staying up? Or, or what are your thoughts on these teams? I mean, again, it's kind of just bait. I, I don't think Luton stays up. Uh, it's 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 one of those it's part of why it would makes Premier League and just English football in general so intoxicating because of the relegation system and and promotion. So you get a story like Luton to be now in the Premier League. It's incredible. It, it's one of the best stories in sports, but also statistically, the likelihood of these teams staying up at the Prem are very small. And for 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 Luton, I just don't. I mean, again, this isn't like a hot take or anything. I just don't think they have enough. I I I'm sure they're going to have moments throughout the season where you know they they'll they'll take down a, a top six club at home, and that crowd will have their night of just being in an absolute frenzy, and they'll have they'll have their moments. I'm sure. Uh, but top to bottom, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. I I just I can't predict them to stay up. I just can't do it. Um, you know. And Burnley, again, kind of bait because they were so dominant last year. But I like them a lot. I, I think they have a legit chance to stay up. Uh, I really like their their midfielder, uh, Josh Brownhill. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a really, really talented guy. Um, looking at a statistical profile, he reminds me a lot of Chelsea's Connor Gallagher, uh, someone who plays with aggression in the midfield, gets forward as well, receiving the ball in dangerous areas where he can assist and score but he also can defend. He can he can press. Yeah. He can be aggressive. I think it's a very talented player. Uh, they signed Zeki Am, Amduni. Again, apologies if, if for a mispronunciation. They got him from FC Basel. 22-year-old uh, yeah. striker, top scorer with seven goals in the Europa, Europa Conference League last season. Signed a five-year deal with Burnley. Uh, he's really talented. You know, Vincent Company that has, has sung his praises, calling him a, a dangerous goal threat. And to, to talk about Company as well, He's one of those players turned managers that when you hear that he he became a manager, it just makes sense. You're like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That Vincent Company is a is a good manager. At, I find that any the league. best player managers are center backs. Mm. I, I because for me, when what I find is when you, when the strikers become the managers, they're so focused on the attacking that they just don't have the X's and O's at the back. Whereas I find. Yeah 
the center backs, they know how to build from the back and like push up and back. And I, I just think that company is one of those examples of, uh, yeah, when he became a manager, it just felt like a no brainer. Yeah. So I, I think he's got him playing good, good football. Uh, and I, I think Burnley will stay up. I think they have a legitimate shot to stay up there. It's always tough to play a turf more like that's that is just I feel like that's where top six teams go to die <laughs> to, to, to playing over there. So, no, I think Burnley will stay up. Um, and then Sheffield United. I, I know basically nothing about this roster, so I'm not going to try and I'm not going to try and make something up. I, I don't think my gut says they won't do make any noise. So <laughs> that's so, all I got to say about them. So Burnley for me, uh, they're. I when I looked at the betting odds today, they were minus two fifty to be the club to have the best record of the newly promoted sides. Not mm-hmm. a big shock when you bring in players like that. It just makes sense, and you've got the manager there. That there's also something to be said for clubs that have a history of playing in the top flight as well. Coming up, like Burnley has been in the league. They got relegated a few years ago. Now they find themselves back up. Sometimes it's just retooling the rosters a bit. Um, maybe finding that right coaching company. I don't know how long they're going to keep him. I mean, if Burnley has a great season under him in the Prem, and a great season for them is probably 12th or better, um, oh, yeah. then there's going to be clubs that come knocking for him, and probably bigger clubs in England would be my guess. Now, Sheffield United, the, the one thing that I noticed is that they lost their leading goal scorer from last year. And mm. I've always been a firm believer is w- when I – club gets promoted do you have that guy in your your squad that can score you 10 to 12 goals that keeps you afloat i said it last year i felt that way brentford a couple years ago having ivan tony he's obviously got his own issues speaking of a betting podcast oh god (laughs) (laughs) you look at some of these clubs that have they just lack the scoring and i think we saw it last year with southampton they just could not score goals, and that's why they found themselves at the bottom. That's kind of how I feel about Sheffield. They did, they really didn't address losing uh, that player, and so I think that they're a relegation side for me. They're also heavy favorites to be one of the relegation sides. Luton is intriguing for me. I don't think that they're going to have enough to stay up, but I think that they could finish 18th. I think that they're going to keep it really close. They kept Carlton Morris. He scored 20 goals in 47 games last year. That's the type of guy where I'm like, Maybe he steals that game at home where they're down one nothing, and then he goes on to score two goals in the second half. They pick up a crucial three points. Having a guy of that caliber, they also bought in Giles, who was a left back for Wolves last year. That was their quote-unquote big signing because obviously it's Luton. They don't make <laughs> massive signings. But right. bringing in a player of that caliber that's played in the Prem, I think that's going to be incredibly valuable for that back line. He's also coming from a Wolves team that was – pretty stout at the back last year. That was their one strength that they had. They didn't score a lot, but they definitely defended well. So I'm looking at Luton as a potential. I might bet them to not get relegated. I haven't decided yet. I think I want to see how the first two weeks go because they open at Brighton and then at Chelsea. And if they get blown out of the water first two games, then I just can't get myself to do it. You play a tight game with either of those two squads, I might be willing to to maybe dive into that one. So that's where I'm at with the the promoted side. So with that, we got to talk some bets. That's this podcast, Competitive Hedge Podcast. Uh, that's what we're all about. And we're looking at some futures. We we had a decent futures year last year. Um, the, 
The thing that hurt me was betting Man United under point total, and they breezed past it. Um, But other than that, I think I had a couple good ones in there. I think you did as well. So let's talk about the bets. Now, the first one for me, I'll get the homer play out of the way. It's Man United to finish top two. It's plus 205. I'm also betting them top four at minus 140. I'm putting a couple units on the top four. I'm putting probably a half to a full unit on the top two because, as I said, I feel like this is the best United side that we've had since Sir Alex left. It really does feel like they have a lot of talent on the back end, so I really like United this year. Give me your first bet. What have you got? Uh, So first bet, I'll go Arsenal for top London club at minus 163. We talked about how fragile Tottenham is. Uh, Chelsea, same issues. Very fragile, unfortunately. Top players have injury concerns. And we'll see about the depth. And it's a very young team. Let's just uh, let's be real. It's a very young team, albeit talented, but very young. Uh, so I think they'll, they'll still be growing pains for them. Um, West Ham, no. Uh, Crystal Palace, no. So, no, I just I can't. I, I think Arsenal, top London club at 163. That's easy money. Uh, so I, that's I, I, I got to go for that one for sure. Yeah, we talked about both Tottenham and Chelsea getting out to the slow start. So that's where I, I agree with you. I think that getting out to that slow start, knowing that Arsenal, we have them as a top three club. I just don't know how you make up that kind of ground when you're talking about the the players of that caliber at the top. So yeah, <laughs> um, I would agree with you there. I, I'm going to bet the Tottenham uh, top six at plus 115. I chatted about it earlier. Again, just being a little bit lower on Liverpool than most, being a bit low on Newcastle. We talked about Tottenham dealing with injury issues. That's, I think that they're going to be all right. And and as long as it's not both Son and Kane that are down at the same yeah. time, then, then I think that they're going to be all right. But I do like the midfield additions. I think at plus 115, it's good value. What's your next one? Uh, so I got Holland minus 160 for top goal scorer. Uh, I mean, again, it's kind of bait because it's Holland. Uh, but I also have Man City Holland winner of the Premier League and Holland being the top goal scorer at plus 125. I mean, City should be your pick to win the league, should be everyone's pick. And then you add in Holland to be the top goal scorer, you get plus money. I think you got to go for it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how many of, of the listeners know this, but uh, this dude Erling Holland's really good. Uh, really, really good. He, not it's, right. not, it's not like he scored 36 goals last season in in the in the league for for Manchester City. So, yeah, I, I think it's plus money, and it's it seems like an easy bet. So I, I'll definitely take that as well. I like it. I like the plus money around that one. Um, we were just talking about relegation. Um, that's where I'm going to with my third one. I do think that Bournemouth uh, to get relegated at plus 235. I'm going to be putting a, a couple units on that. I'm also looking at Bournemouth to finish bottom of the league at plus 100. This is where right. I had them last year, and they squeaked out some results mid-year. It was it was a weird stretch where it felt like Bournemouth kept winning like five games in a row, and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, They lost <laughs> some guys. I don't think that that's the same quality of team. This felt like, a yeah, they had their one year up. Now they're heading back down. They're not a team that's well-established in England for me. So I think uh, at plus 235 to get relegated, sprinkle plus 1,000 for them to finish bottom because obviously Luton has the the heavy odds in that favor. Any others for you? 
Yeah, I we talked about Liverpool. I'm out on them. So Liverpool's plus 135 to finish out of the top four. I mean, again, plus money. I, I've got you've got to take it at least knowing the the issues with this team. The the transfer window isn't over yet. They could still make a move or two. Who knows? So there's still time. Uh, but their options are running low. I, obviously, they didn't try for Declan Rice. I, it's surprising to me that they're not trying for Moises Caicedo. Uh, they got money. They have money to spend. And it's it's a little weird to me. So I, I just don't I don't see it. So at this current time, Liverpool plus 135 plus money to finish out of the top four. Yeah, I, I'll definitely take that as well. And then my last bet, and I, I really feel strongly about this one, Tottenham minus 490 to not win a trophy. I just I just can't do it. They're not gonna win a trophy. I don't care. It could be minus a thousand, Kenneth, and I'll 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 put money on it. They're not <laughs> winning a trophy this year. Get them out of here. And I'm sorry. I have, I have friends I have friends who are Tottenham fans and I'm I'm just I'm just giving them crap. But yeah, Tottenham minus four ninety to not win a trophy. Book it. And if I'm wrong, let's make a bet. If it uh if I'm wrong, what what do I have to do? I've got to wear like a Tottenham jersey. Tottenham yeah, you gotta wear a Tottenham something? jersey at the end of the year to okay. recap the season. All right, sure. deal, deal. I'll buy a Tottenham, and it can't be. And then I'll, I'll make it harder for myself. I can't buy a Sun jersey because I, I I want a Sun jersey, but I have to buy someone and else's. It, and it can't even be like a Kane jersey. Like I'll find yeah, a kind yeah, yeah. of an obscure player that, it, that someone will ask you why you own that jersey. Strictly so yeah. you have to tell the story because the other two makes it a little bit too easy. Um, Maybe a Richarlison jersey because we were talking Ooh. about the fact that we forget often that he plays at Tottenham, so that might be yeah. a good one. I'm going to give you one. one last one that I'm going to sprinkle on. It's Brighton to finish bottom half of the league at plus 275. My Ooh. thought process is there is a lot of teams that have upgraded. Um, I think Aston Villa, they're going to be in the top half again. Even if it's a down year for Liverpool, um, I like what West Ham did at the end of last year. I felt a lot better about this one before Fulham lost Willian because that was one of the most bizarre things of the offseason that he signed a massive extension and then Basadi said, actually, no, we want you. And he's like, yeah. okay, I'm in. Right, I cool. actually don't want to stay at Fulham. So I think that Brighton has the potential to finish 11th. And so because of that, at plus 275, they had a lot of guys going in and out. Uh, very active uh, offseason for Brighton. think it maybe takes them a little bit of time. I'm actually looking at that Luton game, that opener at potentially taking Luton, draw no bet, or uh, even just double chance because I think you're going to get some great value there because I think that they could get out to a great start there. So that's where I'm at with the bets. We obviously have City winning the league, um, which is very depressing. I hate hearing Manchester winning the league and it not being united. But that's where we're at. Obviously, it's going to be an incredible season. Um, we got a lot of new teams even playing in Europa League action. Uh, Champions League is going to be fun. We'll wait and see if City can repeat as uh, Champions League winners. But Francis, it was a pleasure having you on, as always. Promote your work. What have you got going on? Yeah, always, always a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, writing, cover the Memphis Tigers, Memphis Grizzlies for Bluff City Media. You can find the work there at bluffcitymedia.com. Find me on the Up and Under podcast, talking NBA. It's a dead period for, for NBA basketball, so not a lot to discuss, not a lot going on. Uh, but we're going to get the pot up and running up uh, sometime soon and try and get the content out going out there. You can find me on Twitter, at Sluggersports. Uh, just 
give me a follow. I'll always follow back. Unless you're like a porn bot, then I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna follow you back, unfortunately. But otherwise, yeah, Kenneth, thank you, brother. It's always a pleasure. I'm glad that you've confirmed that you will not indeed follow back those bots. That that's huge. And and Elon thanks you for your service of not doing so <laughs> on the on the X app, not Twitter app. Oh, um but appreciate everyone who listens to the show. Shout out to our sponsors, Last Mountain Distillery. All the betting odds for my picks, at the very least, they came from Bet99 Sportsbook. Use code SHOOTERS at sign up. Really appreciate all of you for listening, and we'll see you guys next time for the Competitive Hedge Podcast.